invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open it up with me to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles. And we're going to look at a couple of verses in a couple of different chapters. And I'll reference a parallel text back in the book of 1 Kings. But it'll all be on the screen. You ain't got to worry about flipping back and forth to 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles. But... I want to spend a few minutes talking to you today on this idea. When you've had a bad day or week or month or year, okay, I think that might be fitting considering all the things that we have experienced in 2020. In fact, things were so bizarre this year that some of the classic Christmas carols, did you know that they had to rewrite some of those? In fact, I found one this week that they had to rewrite, and I thought I would share it with you. Uh, you know, the, the Christmas carol, We Three Kings, you know, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. <laughs> uh, we Three Kings of Orient are. Well, in 2020, they did a complete rewrite of that to coincide with the things we've experienced this year. And so now, and I'll just read the first verse of the new 2020 version uh, of We Three Kings. It goes like this. We three kings are six feet apart. We'll Purell before we depart. We've been tested as suggested. Careful are we and smart. Then it goes, you know, oh, do our masks go with our gowns? Do these face shield hide our crowns? <laughs> We've had plenty 2020. Still we head toward David's town. Laugh right there. That's the, that's the part where you laugh. I stop and you laugh. You act like Santa didn't give you what you needed this year. Well, it's been that kind of experiment, but, but now at the same time, even though there have been challenges, God's also been good. And God is also blessed, and God is also taking care of us. And as, as we look toward kind of turning the corner, and, and we look this week that at some point we're going to flip that date of that calendar, and it's going to take us to a new year. And, and I certainly don't want to be Debbie Downer this morning, but I just I also don't want to paint for you a picture that is uh, not rooted in reality. And, and I believe that we all understand this, that the, the mere turning of that date, that the mere taking down that calendar that says 2020 and putting one up that says 2021 is, is not going to magically cure everything. We, we, we will still face challenges. We will still face obstacles. We will still have bumps in the road. There is still uh, uncertainty as to what's going to take place in the future. But just as much uncertainty as there is, there is more guarantee that whatever we encounter, God's going to be there. there there's a guarantee that God is going to be with us. And so on this last Sunday of 2020, this year unlike 
uh, any year that most of us have experienced in our lives, I want to show you a, a case study of a man in the Old Testament, a king who knew what it was like to have a bad day, to go through a bad week, to experience a bad month, to endure a bad year, uh, a king who really had some very difficult things happen to him. His name is Hezekiah, and we'll learn a little bit more about him as we move along this morning. But Hezekiah, in a nutshell, here's Hezekiah's life. He was a good, godly king who went through some tremendously difficult times. In fact, if you look at the text that we're going to look at today, 2 Chronicles chapter 31, and I wanted you to see the end of that chapter and the beginning of the next chapter. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 20, it tells us, thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and prospered. So as chapter 31 ends, it lets us know this is a good king. He's doing good things. But look at how chapter 32 opens. And after these things, after these acts of faithfulness, after he's been faithful, after he's followed God, Sennacherib, who's the king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. Let me real quick set the stage for what's happening in this text. This nation that God began to build through Abraham, this nation of Israel, at this point they have divided into two kingdoms. There's a kingdom in the north, it's called the northern kingdom of Israel. There's a kingdom in the south, they're called the southern kingdom and they're known as Judah. And these two, these two kingdoms are now in existence. Now for over 200 years these kingdoms were ruled by 38 kings and one queen. Of those 39 rulers, 85% were rotten to the core. There were only five leaders who were good and godly and sought to follow God. Hezekiah is one of them. Now, now what's happening up in the north, Hezekiah is in the south. And while he's in the south, here's what's happening in the north. They are being led by an ungodly ruler, and God has said, if you do not listen to the prophets, if you do not obey, I'm going to send judgment to you. And the way I'm going to send judgment to you, I'm going to send an invading army to come in and to get you and to take you out. Well, the king up north, he had made a deal with this king of Assyria, but then he decided to back out of the deal. He went over to the, to the leader of Egypt and said, I want to team up with you guys instead. Well, the guy up in Assyria didn't like that, and they came down to the northern kingdom, and they besieged the northern kingdom. And long story short, that northern kingdom that was led by the evil king, they were destroyed. Meanwhile, in the south, You've got this king who's doing things right. 
You've got this rarity in Hezekiah of a king who wants to honor God. He turned things around from what his dad, and his name was Ahaz, what his dad had done, and, and he accomplished some good things. For example, he, he opened and repaired the temple. He, he tore down the idols. In fact, just listen. I think that the verses are on the screen. Here's a brief snippet from 2 Kings of the good things Hezekiah was doing. This is 2 Kings chapter 8. Verses 3 through 7. It tells us that he, Hezekiah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places, broke down the pillars, cut down the Asherah, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nestetan. Uh, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he, Hezekiah, held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. This is a good man. This is a man who is following God. Yet in spite of how closely he's seeking to follow God, difficulty came his way. Those verses we read earlier that are taking place in Second Chronicles, 10 years after the northern kingdom falls, this new king of Assyria says, I want Hezekiah's kingdom. And even though this king was following God closely, seeking to be faithful, this Assyrian king took 185,000 men toward Judah intent on destroying them. Bad things are happening to a good king. And whenever you see bad things happen to good people, it causes you to ask a three-letter question, W-H-Y. Why? I mean, Hezekiah is trying to do it right. It would make sense to us that the northern kingdom, I mean, they got what they had coming to them, right? I mean, they were disobeying God. Bad things should reap bad consequences, but not Hezekiah. Surely not the man who's trying to follow God. And yet this is not an isolated incident. There is a, a general principle in Scripture of difficult things happening to godly people. Job was a man of integrity. Job was righteous. And yet he had so much calamity occur and so much distress and difficulty that he experienced. Paul fought the good fight and kept the faith. Yet he ended up in a Roman prison and he died a martyr's death. Believers are not exempt from a bad day. Followers of Jesus are not exempt from a bad week. We are not exempt from a bad month. We're not exempt from the harshness and the difficulty that years like 2020 bring to us. In fact, Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, that he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. So this morning, instead of trying to paint a picture of, uh, of what we wish would happen, let's think about it from this perspective. What do we do when we have that difficulty? 
What do we do when if we get to 2020? Look, we still got less than a week 2020, so let's not <laughs> jump ahead of ourselves. What do we do when that bad day arrives? What do we do when we walk through that season? And, and, and let me give this disclaimer before we jump in, and I promise my points are kind of relatively short, kind of sort of in a way. That we need to understand in, in this, with this disclaimer, everything that happens to us in life happens to us in the context of the providence of God. Now, here's what I mean by that. When we talk about God's providence, we're talking about God's ability to use all of our experiences, good and bad, to move us to the end that God has chosen. That doesn't mean that everything that happens to us is good, nor does it mean that God is the one who sends that which is not good. A good God can only do good things. What that means is that God uses everything for our good. Ultimately, <coughs> the providence of God means that not everything is sent by God's hand, but everything must pass through God's hand. It means that in all of our lives and in every sphere of our life, there are things that God does not send to us. There are things that God does not cause to happen, but there is never anything that will happen to us that God is not aware. And because of that, because that was true for Hezekiah's life, God did some things in his life through his difficulty. In fact, I want to point to you real quick this morning. Three things that God accomplished through Hezekiah as he experienced this difficulty and this difficult season in his life, the same three things that God does for us, and I'll show you how God did that from the text. All right, number one's this. God used this difficulty to mature Hezekiah. Hezekiah hears that the Assyrian king is coming. Hezekiah's been trying to follow God, but now he faces 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And in this difficult season, God used it to mature Hezekiah. Hezekiah became a better king because of the, quote, bad that happened to him. In fact, when you look at the text, you will see him mature as a king in response to the king of Assyria's threat. Look in chapter 32 and verse 2. It says that when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib, that's the Syrian king, had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. A great many people were gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land, saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? He set to work resolutely and built up all the wall that was broken down and raised towers upon it and out Outside it, he built another wall, and he strengthened the millo in the city of David. He also made weapons and shields in abundance. And he set combat commanders over the people and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh. 
but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. You literally, in these verses, you see him mature into being even a better king. He gets the priest, he gets his military leadership together, they map out a strategy. He stopped up two springs to eliminate the water supply. He built up walls. He, 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 he repaired parts that were broken. He fully stocked his weaponry. He would have been a Second Amendment proponent. He, he had all their supplies. And look at how the people responded. They took confidence in him as their king and their leader. You see, there are basically two responses that we could make to bad situations. We can either get bitter or we can get better. See, Hezekiah didn't respond by brooding over his difficulty. He put forth his best effort, and God grew him in the process. Hezekiah teaches us this valuable truth. Tough times make tougher people. Our response to bad things can make us better people. It can make us stronger people. It can make us wiser people who become more like Christ on a bumpy road than we would have had we been on a smooth and easy road. Some of you like to golf, right? <clears throat> we have some golfers here. We, we've got some golfers who are probably watching online. We may have some members who are golfing right now. <clears throat> He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're striking the ball. <clears throat> Do you know when they first made golf balls, they made them smooth? And as they started to hit those golf balls, I know, I went to seminary to learn how to Google the history of golf. As they hit those golf balls around the golf course, they noticed that the rougher the golf ball, the farther it would go. And so they began to manufacture them with dimples kind of like they had already been beat up, so that the more dense they had, the farther they would go. That's kind of like life. The rough spots of life can make you go farther because God uses them to mature us and to make us more like Christ. So if you find yourself or when you find yourself in a difficult season of life, allow God to do a greater work in your life. Remember that he is the potter and as such he can use our difficult experiences to mold us into better vessels capable of doing greater things. Thing. So God used this difficulty to mature Hezekiah, but secondly, God used this difficulty to motivate Hezekiah. And what he's going to motivate Hezekiah to do is to become more involved in prayer and to more deeply seek the presence of God. In fact, if you look at chapter 32 and verse 20, it tells us that Hezekiah the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed because of this, because of the crisis, they prayed and cried to heaven. The threat drove Hezekiah, motivated him to prayer and to seek God's presence. Now, don't misunderstand. Hezekiah isn't motivated to pray to God just for selfish reasons. Granted, he wants deliverance from the situation, 
But he is motivated to seek God for God's sake and not his own. In fact, and for time's sake, well, I won't look at it with you this morning. But if you look at 2 Kings 19, 14 through 19, that's Hezekiah's prayer. And when he prays in this difficult situation, he's praying for God's name. He's praying for God's glory. He wants the reputation of God to go forth. The threat to Hezekiah reminds him that he needs God. And when difficult seasons come into our lives, we are reminded of our need for God as well. I would dare say that maybe some of us in this room or some of us watching online, as we have walked through this year, 2020, we have come to realize maybe more so than ever before how desperately we need God and how much we need to depend upon God. Maybe we went into this year thinking that we could figure some things out on our own and and thinking that we could overcome some things in our strength, but all of a sudden uh, a, a virus lays us flat on our back or, or it sends us to the funeral home of a loved one and we find ourselves faced with something that's bigger than us and we realize maybe we need God more than we ever thought we needed Him before. And that's part of God motivating us. God can take the, God does, I'm not saying that God sends things like that into our lives just for that purpose, but I'm telling you, God uses those situations to motivate us to more fully rely and depend upon Him. There is a mysterious way in which God uses the difficult seasons of our lives to motivate us to draw near to Him. And to cry out to him. So instead of seeking refuge elsewhere, let us make God our first stop as we seek help and deliverance when we've had a bad day or a bad week or a bad month or a bad year. So Hezekiah is able to mature through this process and and God is able to motivate him, but Thirdly, God used this difficulty to magnify his own name. We see ultimately this is what God, this is that which with God is concerned. That his name would be magnified in all things. Let's be honest. It's easy to magnify God when we're on top of the mountain, right? It's easy to magnify God when we've got enough money in the bank to pay the bills. It's easy to say God is good when we're not walking through a valley. It's easy to say that God is faithful when we don't see sickness and hurt and death around us. But what about in those moments when it's not easy to magnify God's name? That's when we need to magnify it the most. Look at what happens in verses 21 through 23. So they cry out. And verse 21 says, The Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned the king of Assyria with shame of face to his own land. And when he came into the house of his God, some of his own sons struck him down there with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all of his enemies, and he provided for them on every side. 
And many brought gifts to the Lord to Jerusalem and precious things to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all the nations from that time forward. So Hezekiah did all he could do. He prayed, he depended upon God, and God answered with a great victory by destroying the enemy. Now, the fact that God destroyed the enemy is not the main point. It's the fact that God's name was magnified. Because catch, Watch this. 300 years later, okay, 300 years, three centuries after this occurs, someone writes a psalm about this event. And if you want to read it sometime, it's Psalm 76. And that psalm is written for one purpose, to magnify the name of God of God. Here is an event recorded in Scripture that will live throughout history. It was God's victory, and it drove home a testimony of the power of God. When we respond to difficult times by being faithful and by drawing on God's strength, it becomes a testimony of the power of God to all who know us. Difficult times give us an opportunity to respond to God in ways that He is glorified and that people are drawn to him. In fact, I would say that the best way to prove to your friends and neighbors that God is real and that your relationship with him through Christ is real is to show Christ to them when the bad times come into your life. It's an opportunity for us to magnify his name. For you see, God never wastes an experience in your life whether it's good or bad. We should obviously point to him in praise when things are going well. That, that's easy to do. But we should also respond in a righteous thing when things don't go well. So Hezekiah's experiences, we, we wrap it up. Hezekiah's experience can be applied to our lives today. It, it might be that some of you here, some of you watching us today, might be currently experiencing a difficult season of life. If, if you're not experiencing one now, life just teaches us that you will. And when you have that experience, especially when you're trying to live faithfully and righteously, God can accomplish much through it. So let's apply Hezekiah's experience to our life today. My challenge to you and my challenge to myself is simply this. To ask God to mature you and to grow you into the image of Christ. To seek God in that moment and cry out to him in your distress. And as God is faithful, as God helps you endure, you be sure that you magnify his name. Even when we find ourselves in the valley because we are not there alone. God is with us, and the reason God's with us is because of Jesus, because of this birth we just celebrated this past week. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that is your first step, is to call out to Jesus, to confess your sins to God, and through prayer, as you repent of your sins, ask Jesus Christ to save you. 
There might be a next, another step you need to take in your life. And, and we just want to encourage you to take whatever step it is that God is calling you to take. And you can do that in a couple of ways. If you're here with us on campus, on your, in the pew in front of you, there's a yellow card. It's the next step card. You can just indicate on that card what next step you need to take. And then when you leave this morning, just drop that in the offering box that's out there and we'll, we'll follow up with you. If you're watching us on home or online, you can go to fbcmilton.org backslash next steps and uh, you can connect with us there and let us know the step that you need to take. But uh, realize that no matter uh, what may come our way, the rest, like I said, we still got a, uh, about a week left. Whatever comes our way the rest of this year, we can know that God's going to be faithful to be with us. And whatever comes after this year, God is going to be faithful to us. He, the times may change. The calendar might change. Our context might change. But he doesn't. Amen. He doesn't change. To our guests.